Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to Keep Smiling with Jen, a podcast where we talk about keeping your physical and mental body happy through running. I'm your host, Jen, and today we will be talking about how to track your progress when you're first beginning a running program and also how to build a program if you're a beginner. I get a lot of questions on tracking workouts, whether or not it's necessary, um, why we do it, um, and I think that tracking workouts is really important because it gives you a visual on how well you're doing and also keeps you motivated. Um, If you think about when you first started running, especially if you were really hesitant about it, Like it wasn't something that you were probably really excited to do. Not everybody's like me that they wake up and they're like, how long am I going to run today? Most people um, find it very intimidating, very challenging, and it takes a lot of motivation for them to get started. Um, So creating these clear goals and watching yourself move closer to these goals is ultimately going to help you keep at it. Last episode, I talked briefly on how to make uh, an effective goal, and I'll just review quickly um, a little bit about how to make a goal so we can better discuss how to track your progress. Uh, So I always encourage my students and my clients to make sure that their goals are smart. And for those of you that have never heard of a smart goal before, it's not the word smart. Um, Each letter in the word smart stands for something. So S stands for specific. And when I talk about specific, I mean that like there's no question about what the goal is. It's very precise and anybody who reads that goal will know exactly what it is. The M stands for measurable. And this is one that people often struggle with. Uh, Measurable means that like exactly what it sounds like. You have to be able to measure it. So often I get goals like I want to get better at running or I want to eat healthier. And my question to these people are always like, that's a good starting point. But how can you measure getting healthier? How can you measure getting better? You need to be more specific in those measurements. So a better way to revise those two examples would be something like I want to improve my one mile time by one minute. Or I want to eat healthier by incorporating three to five servings of vegetables per day. You can measure one minute. You can measure three to five serving sizes. So that little modification in your goal now makes it measurable. The A states for attainable. And attainable can be challenging for some, especially like if you don't know what is attainable in a certain time period. Um, For example, with running, like some people who, let's say, they tested themselves and they ran a 15-minute mile. Um, Maybe they say their goal is, I want it to be a seven-minute mile in a month. That's not attainable. That's not realistic, which is the next one, R. Setting these ambitious goals, like, Ultimate, like I do want to see people set ambitious goals and work towards them. But if you're setting these goals that 
you really have no chance of achieving, it's only going to lead to you feeling really discouraged. And when you feel discouraged, you don't want to do that activity anymore. So setting more short-term goals that you know are realistic and attainable um, are going to help you stay keep that motivation. And then finally, the T stands for time. There's got to be some sort of time component. Otherwise, you end up setting these vague goals that, like, who knows when you're going to achieve. So I suggest that you set both short-term and long-term goals. Short-term could be goals that you want to achieve within the next month or so. Whereas long-term could be, like, within the next few months or within the next year. So let's take this summer, for example. Maybe you want to set a goal for yourself that you can achieve within the next month. We're almost getting into June. Maybe on June 1st, set a running goal that you want to achieve by June 30th. I want to be able to run one extra mile per week by the end of June. I want to get seven to nine hours of sleep six days out of the seven days of the week for the entire month of June. Setting these goals that are short term that you can really work towards um, within that time period. I also think that as you're setting these short terms, you should also think long term. Like, what do you want to achieve by the end of the summer? What do you want to achieve by the end of the year? Um, By the end of the year, I would like to run one half marathon. By the end of the year, I would like to shave two minutes off of my mile time. As you can see from these goals, they're specific. I know exactly what I'm working towards. I can measure them. They're attainable. And I set some sort of time component to it. So it's like I said, it's really easy to make these vague goals. I want to get better at running. I want to have better cardiovascular fitness. But if they aren't specific and you can't measure them and you don't have a time that you're trying to achieve this by, what do those goals really mean? It's going to be so easy for you just to set them off to the side and forget about them. Another suggestion that I have with goal setting is putting these goals in a spot where you can see them every day. Like where in your apartment, your house, where in your office do you set your eyes on a certain spot every day that can remind you what these goals are? For me, that's on my refrigerator door. I set my goals. I put them on a refrigerator door. And every time I want to get a snack, which is pretty often for me, I can see them. And even if I'm not feeling very good that day, like I'm really not motivated, I don't want to go out and work out. Looking at these goals kind of gives me that extra push so I can. Another great place where I like to put my goals is right in front of my computer screen. Because a lot of us spend a time, a significant amount of time at our computers, whether that's at at work or for school. So like we're constantly there. I'm not saying you need to put it right in the center. But if you put it off to the side where you can constantly see those goals, you're going to be way more motivated to achieve them. So make these realistic goals, put them in a spot where you can see them every day. And I think that's really going to help you with your motivation. Which brings me into the topic for today, 
which is how to track your progress. Another great way to keep this motivation is seeing yourself getting closer and closer to achieving those goals. And there's no better way to see that than to actually write down or type in your progress from day to day, from week to week. I used to not do this. I am, I will admit, I, when I'm just running for fun, I don't really care about my progress. Um, but if I'm trying to achieve something, so if I'm training for that next race, if I'm trying to do something new, I have to see like how I'm progressing in my training. Otherwise, ask yourself, why are we doing this? Like, what purpose is that training having if we're not watching ourselves get closer to that goal? So there's a couple different ways that you can track your progress. One is the good old-fashioned running log. Every year, I feel like Runner's World sends me a running log. And even if I didn't get that running log, um, there are so many resources online that you can pull from. I actually pulled one this morning. A simple chart giving information like the date, the distance, the time, your pace, all good things that you can write down every day, whether you have a good workout or a bad workout, because it's important to record the bad workouts as well. Other things that you can look at, you can look at your heart rate throughout your workout and post-workout. Also look at the environment that you ran in. Did you run inside? Did you run outside? Was it a really humid day? Was it hot? Was it raining? Was it cold? All of those things could affect your performance. So if you're really looking to watch how much you're getting better, how, how you're feeling at different points of your workouts, you need to make note of these things. I also think you should write how you feel. Was it a really sluggish day? Did you feel that tiger blood? Did you feel like you had so much energy? That way, at the end of the month, at the end of three months, you can go back and try to relate how you felt to the course that you were running, to, um, for females, there's this part of your cycle you're on, to what you ate before that workout. Making those connections is ultimately going to make you more self-aware and it's going to tell you what the best situation is for you to have the best performance. Because ultimately, we want to feel good when we run. We don't want to go out there and hate every minute. That's terrible. That's not sustainable. So if you find something that you consistently like and you can like show that through your running logs, like you know exactly what your body needs. Other things that you can do to help you notice if you're getting better. Um, you can track your RPE. So RPE stands for rate of perceived exertion. It is the classic zero to 10 scale that um, basically tells you how hard you're working. So like a one would be like, this is super, super easy. A 10 would be like, this is the hardest exercise I've ever done. This is a good, a really easy way to track performance. However, it's not always accurate um, depending on 
the course, depending on what you just ate, depending on how well you slept last night, those can that all that stuff can ultimately impact your RPE. So you can definitely use it as like a baseline or as an easy way to tell how you're feeling, but I wouldn't depend on it to track your progress. Like I was saying earlier, you can also track your heart rate. If you are going to do this, keep in mind that as you increase your exercise intensity, your heart rate goes up. So you can't compare a steady jog to interval training because during the interval training, you probably ran harder. Um, but if you're doing two identical workouts or two workouts that are very similar, you can track your heart rate and see if your heart rate is going down at that same intensity over time. Another thing you could do is you can look at your intervals. You can look at um, the total time, so how long it took you to do each interval. And you can also look at consistency. For endurance running, I think consistency is actually better than total time. How well you're able to maintain a certain time from interval one to interval eight is going to be a great indicator of how your endurance is improving. If you think about the first time you did interval training, let's say you're doing 400 meter repeats. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar with the distances, 400 meters is one lap around the track. So you decide you're going to do six 400 meter repeats with two minutes in between. You run the first one, you feel really, really good. You get it in a minute and 20 seconds. Uh, you do the second one, you feel pretty good, minute and 19 seconds. You keep going. You're on your eighth one or your sixth one. You're really tired at this point, and now you run it in two minutes. That's a significant difference from interval one to interval six, which is perfectly fine if you're starting out. But as you're getting better, as your endurance is improving, you should be able to run about that same time, interval one versus interval six. So looking at that consistency, looking at how many intervals you can do before your time gets really gets a lot slower is a great way to see if you're getting better. You can also look at distance of long runs. This is an easy one as well. Um, week one, maybe your long run was a mile and a half, whereas now you're in week 16 of training and you can run four miles without stopping. So tracking that progress, tracking how long you can run in, in that long one period is a great way to track progress. And then lastly, if you're looking more at speed, like you, you like endurance, but you, you prefer running a couple miles, 5K at the longest, you just want to run it fast, you can look at tempo runs um, and Tempo runs, you run at a pace that is slightly uncomfortable, but you can sustain it. So my suggestion of using uh, tempo runs as a way to track progress, do it on the treadmill or do it on a flat surface, get to that pace where you're slightly uncomfortable and see how long you can sustain it. As you get better, you'll find that you're able to sustain that uncomfortable feeling for longer. And it'd be pretty fun to see how long you can um, 
sustain it over time. There's um, lots of different ways that you can record all of this progress. Like I just said, um, you could use a traditional, just writing it down in a journal. Um, I'm a little old school, so that's what I like to do. But there's tons of running apps that have these features as well. Um, I've used mapmyrun.com. Um, that one has been around for a while, so that's a good one to try. I know that a lot of you guys have GPS watches that have apps with it that track progress. So I believe Apple Watch has a tracker, um, Fitbit has one. And then there's other running apps as well. I've used the Nike running app before, which I like um, because it has both guided workouts and it has that feature of being able to record them. So whatever works for you, if it's easier for you to use your GPS watch and record it, that way you don't have to go back and write it down, that's fine. But I really like the traditional writing down method just because it allows me to reflect on my workout as well and encourages me to write down how I'm feeling. The last little segment I'm going to do today before we get into some questions is how to build a running plan. Because when you're a beginner, that could be really, really intimidating. Like, um, especially if you're not working directly with a coach. And right now with everything going on with COVID-19, it's really hard to get to run in a group, to get that encouragement, that motivation from others. So um, it's more important than ever to be able to design your own workouts and find the motivation to do them on your own. So before I get into building your program, I'm just going to quickly go over the different types of workouts that you can do with running. Probably the one that people use the most is called continuous training or long, slow distance. And even though it has long and distance in it, it doesn't have to be like running for six, seven miles, whatever is the long distance for you. Continuous training means that there's really no change in intensity. So you just run at the same intensity the whole time for as long as you can go. This is going to be a low intensity. Like I said, it doesn't change. So how you do it, you just pick a time or a mileage and you just run it. Deciding between time and mileage. I know the traditional method is to say like, I'm going to run five miles today or I'm going to run three miles today, whatever time it takes me. I don't like that as much. I like picking a time and just running that time and then recording the mileage. I think that that um, really, it, how's the best way to say this? It's more specific to you. So if you're having a bad day, it adjusts for itself. If you think about the other way, if you're having a bad day and you told yourself you're running four miles, like that's how much you're running and it could take you forever to do that. So I prefer the time, but whatever works for you. This is the type of training that should be the basis when you're a beginner and when you're trying to establish your endurance base, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, the second one is interval training. There's lots of different types of interval training. 
But basically what it means is a high intensity for a short time or distance with recovery breaks in between. This is another really common method for beginners. Um, and it's not so much the sprinting jogging sequence, but more a jog walk sequence, which builds you up to be able to do continuous training. So how you do it, you're going to run fast for a specific time and then take a break. This break can be active or passive recovery. So when I talk about that, active recovery is going to be maintaining a jog or a run, but at a slower pace, whereas passive recovery is going to be complete rest. So let's say you're at the track, you do your 400 meter run, then you just stand there for your two minute rest. If you're really trying to build endurance, I would suggest doing the active recovery. And active recovery doesn't have to be like a really, it doesn't have to be a fast run. It could be walking. Um, doing this is going to keep your heart rate elevated, which is what we want to do when we're working on our endurance, our cardiovascular fitness. Um, and it's going to keep your muscles loose and working. If your goal is speed and power, I suggest a passive recovery. And I'm not going to bore you with the biochemistry of energy systems, but speed and power uses a different energy system than endurance. And in order to get that energy source for speed and power, you need to have complete break periods. So if your goal is to get faster for short distances, then you should use a passive recovery um, more tips, choose a number of reps and distance based upon level. So in other words, if you are just starting out with interval training, you should do a shorter distance and less reps. So your first interval training workout should not be three reps of one mile. That's way too long. Maybe it'll be something like four reps of 200 meters. So shortening that distance of the interval and decreasing the amount of reps that you're doing. And then as you get better, you can increase those reps, increase that distance. Um, and again, when you're doing interval training, the last thing I really want to stress is try to pace yourself so there's not too much of a difference between the first and the last rep, meaning don't go, go 120% on your first rep so you have nothing left for your last ones. The third type of training is fartlek training. So fartlek training is a lot like interval training, except it's unstructured. So how you do it, you can run fast to a spot and then have an active recovery. So with fartlek training, it's almost always going to be an active recovery, whether that's walking, jogging, or running at a slower pace. This is a really fun workout to do um, if you're outside or if you're um, running around your neighborhood in a trail. Basically, what you do is you pick spots to run towards. So, for example, if I were running in my neighborhood, I could say, like, okay, that stop sign about 100 feet in front of me, I'm going to run to that stop sign and then I'll, I'll jog to the next stop sign. This is more way more fun in groups. Um, so if you have somebody to run with, I would suggest trying this type of workout with, with them. 
Um, you can do this no matter what your level is, a beginner or an advanced. Um, if you're a beginner, your running parts would just be shorter and maybe more sporadic. Uh, whereas if you are more advanced, then you can um, have more fast running as compared to your active recovery. This is also really good for beginners who aren't ready for structured interval training. So stay, say you're not ready or doing six sets of 200 meters just sounds boring to you. Um, a fart-like training is, is a really good way to get that higher intensity training without um, having that structure and having a little fun with it. Fourth type of training is hill repeats. So hill repeats are short bursts up a hill at a high intensity, and then you can recover by walking down the hill. This is really good for runners looking to build power and strength. So no matter what level you're at, if you want to um, build that strength in your legs, you can, all, you can definitely try hill repeats. If you're a beginner, you would just do less reps. Um, and the number of reps would depend on the level of the runner and the length of the hill. So if it's a really short hill in terms of distance, you could do more reps. Whereas if it's a really long hill, you're going to do less reps. And then finally, uh, cross training is another great way to increase your cardiovascular fitness. So cross training is doing something other than running to build cardio cardiovascular fitness for running. So this could be things like cycling, elliptical training, swimming. I use hiking a lot as my cross training um, but the thing to remember with cross training is it has to get your heart rate up if you want to get results. So it's absolutely great to do other types of exercises to help your running performance. But if you're looking to improve your endurance specifically, your heart rate needs to get to a spot where it would with running. Yoga is a great example of another type of exercise that runners do. And I myself do yoga a lot. It's got a lot of benefits. Yoga is great for building strength. Yoga is great for increasing flexibility. However, for the most part, yoga doesn't get your heart rate up. So although yoga can help with other aspects of running, like movement patterns and things like that, you're not going to improve your running time if you do yoga as cross-training. As compared to swimming, I mean, for me, swimming super hard because I'm a, I'm a terrible swimmer. So my heart rate is through the roof. So if I was swimming twice a week, I might actually see some improvements in my endurance running just because my heart rate is at that same level. Cross training is also great for people who are injured. So if you struggle with shin splints or knee pain and running three to four times a week just isn't possible for you, but you really want to get better, you really want your cardiovascular fitness to improve, maybe try less impact exercises like cycling and elliptical. And even though you are splitting running with these other exercises, like I said, you might actually see improvement in your running performance, which is pretty cool. So how to build your own program. If you are first starting to run, you need to focus on building a cardiovascular base. And what I mean by that is you need to establish you running for a certain period of time or a certain mile point without stopping and feeling comfortable. 
So as you're establishing this base, your all of your training should either be a walk-run interval, increasing the running parts until you can get to continuous 20 to 30 minutes. Once you can run continuously, no matter what the speed, for 20 to 30 minutes without stopping and without feeling terrible, you can move on to the next level. So as a beginner building that cardiovascular base, your focus should be on walk to run intervals and continuous training. If you're doing walk to run intervals, you want to Gradually increase the running parts, decrease the walking parts until you can eventually run for 20 to 30 minutes without stopping. This is another great place to do cross training. When you're a beginner, you should not be running five days a week. One, you're going to find it boring and you're probably going to get burnt out. And two, your body's not used to it. So you're going to put yourself at more at risk for injuries, um, for really feeling really sore and not feeling great. So this is a great time to do cross training. Run three times a week, cross train twice. Run two times a week, cross train three times. Like find a nice balance where you don't feel really tired all the time and you feel good. You actually enjoy getting out there and doing a workout. Once you can run 20 to 30 minutes without stopping, you can start incorporating some traditional interval training, some fartleks, some hill repeats. So you can start changing it up in your running program. As you're doing this, you should aim to run three to five days with one long run and one interval day. The other ones could be your choice. It could be shorter, continuous runs. It could be cross training. It could be hill repeats. And then finally, once you become comfortable with regular interval training, you can start adding harder workouts and lengthening your long run. So this is at the point where you would consider yourself a level three runner. So you can run um, a mile and a half at a really good pace, not feel too tired. You can run about 45 minutes for continuous training. Um, as you move on to this level, you should always have one long run and one interval run in your, um, your workout. So this long run should be once a week it should, and it should be 20 to 30% of your total mileage. One mistake that people make when they're building their running plan is that they want to do all long runs. You can't do that because your body needs time to recover. So even as an advanced runner, you should only have one long run per week. As you're tracking these long runs and increasing your distance each time, you want to make sure that you can only that you only increase your distance about 10 to 20 percent per week. You don't want to go from, you know, doing six miles to doing 12. You want a gradual increase and that gradual increase will improve your endurance without putting tons of stress on your body. Another workout that you need to have in your work in your workout plan is one day of interval training. And this interval training could be based upon whatever your goal is. So if your goal is running a marathon or a half marathon, then that interval training should be longer. Whereas if your goal is just to improve your 5k time, which I don't know why I said just like that's probably harder in my opinion, 
if your goal is to improve your 5K time, then you would maybe want your intervals to be shorter at a higher intensity. So having a day dedicated to speed work is going to improve and get you closer to your goals. Your other days can be combinations of continuous runs, um, cross training, another interval training workout. Again, it just really depends on what your goal is. Um, one thing that you need to remember, however, is that one day should always be a rest day. And when I say rest day, I mean complete rest, not doing a bike workout or going on a really hard hike. You get better, you get stronger, your cardiovascular fitness improves, like everything gets better during that rest day. So if you do not take a rest day, then you're ultimately going to experience some burnout, injuries, and things like that, and you might actually get worse. Um, so don't let anybody tell you that a serious runner should not take a rest day because they absolutely should. I would even recommend taking two rest days, one as an active recovery when you do some sort of cross-training workout, and the other one as complete rest. So that pretty much sums up my little spiel on um, building a workout plan. I'm going to spend the next few minutes going over some questions from the group. Um, so let's look at the first question. Question number one was, what is a good breathing technique when running? And this is a great question and one that's asked a lot, especially among beginners. If you do reading on this, you're going to hear or you're going to see different things or and hear different things depending on who you talk to. Some people are going to say that you should always breathe through your nose because it's the most efficient way of breathing. Um, some people should say you should are going to say you should focus on slowing down your breath because it'll bring your heart rate down. Um, little fun physiology fact, and I won't bore you too much with it. Um, when you do exercises that are rhythmic, so things like swimming and biking and running, um, where your body does the same motion over and over again, your breathing starts to occur with that rhythm. It's called entrainment, if you want to look that up. So entrainment means that your breathing starts to become rhythmic, just like your body movements. And that's gonna what's going to happen as you train. So ultimately, you want the to have a breathing technique that's the most comfortable for you. And what that usually means is a combination of breathing through your mouth and your nose. Um, and like, just don't think about it that much. It is perfectly normal to feel totally out of breath and super tired when you're first starting. And even when, if you're an advanced runner and you just did a really hard workout, really normal to feel that way. But as you get better, as your body gets used to running, um, your breathing is going to become easier as well. Uh, so just breathe whatever feels the most natural to you. And over time, you'll start to breathe with the rhythm of your exercise and you won't even really think about it anymore. Uh, next question. Uh, do you have any suggestions or tips for someone who used to run but hasn't in a while? I just don't know how to get back into a routine. That's a really great question and something I think a lot of people can relate to. My biggest suggestion to you is to sign up for something and sign up for something that you're excited about. I know with COVID-19, a lot of events are getting canceled. So maybe this requires looking later into the summer, into the fall. Um, 
But if you sign up for a race, you pay for it, like you committed. And like that kind of gives you the motivation to get started and continue at it. And sign up for something fun. Like if you don't think that a 5K would be fun, then don't do that. There's so many different races nowadays and some of them like are super fun. Um, Those obstacle course races are really cool. Color runs. Um, I heard that there's a bubble run in October and in Charlotte. So sign up for something like that, something that you're looking forward to, something that you can convince your roommates and your friends to do with you. Um, And I think that'll help you give them, that will help you have the mental motivation to get started and to continue with a workout routine. I also think that you should use the suggestion I talked about earlier in the podcast um, when I said that you should write down your goals and put them in a spot that you can see every day. Um, I, I think that that would help you a lot as well. You are at an advantage because your body already knows what it's like to run. So I think once you get started, you'll feel tired and you'll feel, you know, at like you're a beginner at first. But I think that you are going to progress really quickly um, once you get used to it. So physically, I think you're I think you're awesome. I think that you're going to have a really not a really easy time with it, but easier than every than true beginners. But mentally, it might take a little extra push. So I think that looking at your goals every day and signing up and committing to some sort of event is really going to help with that. Uh, last question for today, when it become, when it comes to distance versus speed, is there one that would be better to prioritize as far as cardiovascular health goes? This is a really good question and one that is very prevalent among physiologists right now, especially as cardiovascular disease is the number one um, killer in America. If you do some research on this, it's going to say that higher intensity exercise is probably better for your cardiovascular health and also for your muscular skeletal health. Um, By doing this higher intensity exercise, you get your heart rate up and it keeps your blood vessels healthy, which in a simple way just means that their ability to get bigger and smaller and their ability to stay flexible, it's going to be better. However, realistically, it just depends on the person and what they feel like they can sustain long-term because consistent exercise is going to be better than any one or any sporadic workouts. So if you are somebody that, you know, you don't really enjoy doing speed work and it's kind of a chore to get out there, then distance is better for you. If you can maintain a consistent distance workout plan, then that is going to be better for your cardiovascular health than just sporadically doing speed workouts. It works the other way as well. Like if you don't like distance, but you can maintain consistent speed workouts, then do that. Anything that you find that you can enjoy and you can maintain over a long period of time is ultimately going to be best for your health and wellness. All right. Well, that is it for today. Thank you for listening. Um, I had a great time chatting with you guys this morning. Uh, Remember to keep smiling no matter what you're doing in your workouts. 
Smiling definitely makes everything better, no matter how much you're hurting physically or mentally. Um, I hope you guys have a great day and I will see you guys next time.